Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Thank you for coming along and joining us again on our uh, podcast as we explore the the implications of where we are as businesses today and the changes that we face as we get through and recover from the uh, coronavirus crisis. A few things have happened in the last week since we were with you. Most obviously on the public policy side, we've had a big announcement from the Chancellor. I think most important messages for recruiters to take away from that really twofold firstly the a job support scheme that will replace the furlough scheme at the end of october just in a few days time now and run into next spring has been radically retooled now while we still on balance don't think that that scheme is as effective for temporary workers as furlough for your own staff it the changes announced last week may have changed your the outlook that you take on on that scheme so do have a look at that scheme again under the new rules and see whether it works for you likewise similar extensions of provision have been uh, made for self-employed people the other big thing that was in the chancellor's announcement was grant aid for businesses in hospitality in higher tier areas under the local lockdown scheme and while that was primarily focused on hospitality firms it is worth again as emphasizing that a lot of the business support that's being run through the system is uh, at the moment is being run through local authorities because of that it's really important that recruitment businesses ha- have a line of communication to their local authority and also in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland to the national devolved governments because a lot of the the, the routes to support will come through them. In light of that, in the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot to Nicola Sturgeon's team in with the Scottish government and planning for a an announcement within the next few days of a newly revised business roadmap there and emphasizing again the importance of keeping the economy open while the uh, country goes through its own its own version of the circuit break particularly in the central belt edinburgh glasgow and most of the uh, densely populated bits of scotland Finally, before we move on to welcome our guests, just draw your attention to the latest edition of our client-facing survey, Jobs Outlook, all the latest from businesses on their hiring intention. That's coming out on the 28th of October, so do have a look at that on the REC website when it comes out at rec.uk.com. Now, turning to our discussion for today, I'm delighted to welcome Jane Haynes to the pod. Jane is SVP in HR for GlaxoSmithKline, a company that needs no introduction, uh, very much one of the small group of firms in the UK who are seen as household names. Jane, welcome to the REC podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Neil. Clearly, the the experience of the last last seven, eight months at GSK. The world's changed in lots of ways, not just for GSK as an employer, but of course the nature of the business means that you're you're, you're involved in aspects of the both the therapeutic and other uh, forms of treatment for the, for the coronavirus itself. How has the pandemic changed work at GSK? So it's a really good question actually, and it's important for me to sort of express that because of our pivotal role, um, and what we do, I understand the context is very different and very challenging for many other organisations in this economic environment. And actually to that point that we see all the time in the press around the pain of the economy, the reduction, the furlough and the redundancies across the UK economy. What, from a GSK perspective, 
as well trying to maintain continuity um, of business. So we've been thinking of this in three ways, really, which is that employee perspective. How do we keep our employees safe with their priority, their well-being? And how do we care for our employees and their families during this period of time? And also, how do we think about leadership? So leadership has had to adapt very quickly to a very different way of working. So how do leaders, when invited in, we've realistically, we've all been invited into everybody's home during this period of time. And you've seen it all the sort of, well, for me personally, all the chaos and all the things that, that I am um, have been brought to light as we've been through this period. So how do leaders think of their employees, bring empathy, reframe how, where and when work happens But what it's also done for us is actually really focus people on our purpose. So actually living our purpose during challenging times. So we have a priority to deliver medicines and products to patients and consumers who need them. So whether that's a respiratory product or or an oncology product, in reality, we had to maintain our supply chain because they're medicines that keep people alive. So for us, that was really super important. But to your point, Neil, Working across boundaries and being part of the solution also became imperative. So GSK and Sanofi in April making a deal to ensure that we were working together to collaborate to create a vaccine was unprecedented in the marketplace. So I think we've sort of had to look at three things, that sort of employee leadership and actually doing things differently and thinking not of the boundaries of an organisation, but thinking of how do we create a different solution for what was a very urgent need. That's fascinating. And I think this this whole theme about purpose and, you know, what are we trying to achieve as a business is, you know, while lots of us, and I know you have been involved in this movement as well, have driven at this idea of being good businesses and successful businesses by emphasising the contribution that we make to the economy and the society as a whole. That piece is all the sharper because of the uh, because of the pandemic and you know the the kind of the deal that you referenced there is a classic example of kind of new forms of solutions being made and people having to change a lot of how they've traditionally thought about competitors and and markets because of the the kind of driving force of the pandemic at the risk of being a little bit parochial let's tie that down a little uh, a bit in terms of the world of talent and talent acquisition and onboarding you know gsk is amongst the group of businesses where the pandemic's generated new need at a time when in many businesses there's been a, a kind of head and cost control focus how has you know the dis, dis a more distributed workforce lots of working from home digital methods for for selection and bringing people on board how, how has that worked for you both you know, internally at GSK and with the partners you work with? So I, so I think we've been quite lucky in that we've been able to pivot and go 100% online. So we're able to attract, we're able to source, we're able to onboard all remotely, even to, to my great joy in our early talent, we've been able to do assessment centres online um, and for people to you know give us good ratings because we always ask the candidates post good ratings on the experience of that. So we were able to pivot and to do that quite quickly. I would say tech is great. It's fast. It's easier. And if you're looking at process timelines and efficiency, you'd go, well, that's fantastic. We're going to keep with that. But I think realistically, we're missing the element of human. We're missing social. And I know that's not just talent sourcing at the moment. It's in all walks of life. So I think even though we've been able to do it when we've learned lots about how you would do that and our partners 
our search partners have been amazing at helping us and enabling us to do that. I do think when, when we talk to candidates, they're still saying they'd love to meet their line manager or get a feel for the organization, just as we would like to get more of a feel for candidates and to be able to share what an amazing company we are. And you can't get that always through virtual. So I think it misses that human and social piece on both sides. So as and when there is some form of normal in the future, I think we've learned lots. I don't think we'll go all the way back to sort of a face-to-face, come to our buildings, experience the buildings. But I do think there'll be a need to plan for some, some connection that is more social, more human on both sides as we go through that journey of attraction and connection and onboarding. I think that's fascinating. It, 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 it stacks up against what I hear from, from our members, where people people are powerfully aware that the technology concertinas the process in, in some really effective and attractive ways. It makes scheduling more e- easy. You can testing selection tools, testing is easier online. And, and people, line managers in particular, are getting used to online interviews. And if anything, they underpin the structure of interviews. The process of doing online helps uh, to some extent with that. But there definitely is that that kind of humanity point. You know, it's very possible in a tech-led way to go from being an inactive candidate, i.e. having a job and not looking for a job, to having a job on a Monday morning, to having a job offer on the Friday afternoon. And there is a question of, well, is that is that the structure in which we want clients and from our perspective and candidates to be making potentially life and business changing decisions? So th- there's clearly space there for you know, us as an industry to be having those discussions with you and other uh, businesses about what, what, you know, how do we insert that humanity into the process in the right times to make sure that the engagement and the onboarding aspects of the inter- the personal interaction are still there, but we're not losing some of the, the gains we've made? Yes, I, yeah, I agree, Neil, actually. So let's just flip that on then, because I know you've been thinking a lot about what, this mixed model of home and uh, workplace working means for people. And one of the reasons I asked you on the pod is you said you said something which I've stolen with pride. I've always name checked you when when <laughs> saying it, which is, you know, the, was given this task and opened the box thinking this is going to be really, really easy in terms of the mixed model. And then every time you dig into the box, there's even more stuff yeah. coming out. So what are the complexities for a big business like GSK and thinking about, well, how do we normalize again after all this? And what and how is new normal different to old normal? Yeah. I, mean, it's a, I think sort of benchmarking with lots of companies at the moment and everybody's struggling with this. And obviously you have the sort of the, the early adopters who come out with their sound bites and say, we're going to do this. We're going to have a distributed model. Anybody can work from any place, anytime, anywhere. But I think I think there's a, again, take me back to the, the, the answer I gave earlier, which is it's the humanity piece. So we've done multiple surveys in, internally and we're, we're thinking this through as about how do you create a hybrid model? that is the right thing for every employee. And for us, it's about, you know, we're, we're not through COVID-19. We're actually, it's building a second wave in multiple, and because we're global, we know that's in different stages and different geographies. So what we're, re- we're not being definitive. What we're trying to think through is where do we need to make decisions now? Because that's about 
safety, that's about security and the well-being of our employees. And where do we need to not make decisions, which over my life cycle as a, as a leader, I've learned is just as important as the decisions you make. So we're not coming out with any definitives. This is going to be the future of work for GSK because we don't feel that's the right thing to do at this point in time. But yes, we're thinking about it. We're observing how we work. We're observing what other people are doing. But the other piece of the jigsaw, which makes it complex for us, is we're not a homogenous community. We have sales reps. We have lab technicians. We've got manufacturing employees as well as our office based employees. So one size will definitely not fit all. And we need to take that into consideration. What we are doing is promoting a dialogue between line managers and employees to enable a conversation about me, about my situation, about my context and my environment, about how, where and when and what environment, if you like, really helps me thrive and perform because everybody's situation is different. Some people have you know, children in the background as they're trying to work. Other people have elderly parents. All of these things are coming together and the, the delineation between life and work is morphing. And what we need to do and what we, why I talked earlier about leadership is lean into and understand the competing pressures and challenges on individuals. And you can't do that in a global company with a global statement. So we're really focusing on leadership training. We're really focusing on creating the permission for great conversations. It's building on for us the work that we've been doing over the last few years around our philosophy, which I'll share with you, which is be, feel good, keep growing at GSK. And for us, the evidence shows that where those employees feel they can be themselves, they can thrive, they can say, look, I'm really struggling with X, Y and Z, or actually, I'm not feeling so good today. And this is what's going on for me in the background of my life that isn't impacting my work, but it's actually going on for me and sharing that with their line managers And then for some other people, it's about how do I stay relevant? How do I keep growing? How do I keep developing? If we have learned over the last few years that actually if we can offer that to our employees, they do thrive and they perform at GSK because those things to coming together, bring that engagement and motivation again, underpinned by our purpose and underpinned by our our performance. So I think that that for GSK has really been a great foundation for the conversations leaning into individuals because for everybody this pandemic has been different and we need to be very clear that we care about every employee and how they're going through that journey. We talk a lot in in recruitment about employer brand and that's maybe uh, it's maybe worth reminding ourselves that when marketing colleagues talk about brand they don't just mean how something looks they they mean about something that that works from top to toe of the organization and it defines the type of organization you are and how you react to things and to a certain extent what you've just articulated you know is an employer brand but actually it's it's equally linked back to the the point around purpose that that you talked about earlier and i think from from the point of view of recruiters working with you or other major employers the ability to kind of understand that request of you know how people should be at GSK is actually critical to kind of pulling the right people in into the business down the down down the talent uh, pipeline it's a fascinating insight I suppose the the question which it which it suggests for me is you're putting a a lot of a lot of focus there on line managers and to a certain extent and we've both been involved with ACAS over the years we I do think we appear to be moving on from the kind of 
days when we talked a lot about employee value propositions and that kind of one size fits all page. They're much more kind of employment relations approach of line managers looking after groups of people on an individual basis and also finding a way for those people to express views back both individually and collectively to the organization. So it feels to me like this is a, a structure that requires a level of employee voice. Is it, Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. And it's something that we've, you know, when we talk about engagement, we think about participation. We think about that sort of, you know, the, the new words for that employee voice and saying, how do you create that dialogue? The permission uh, to have great conversations in the organization, be that with your line manager, your line manager's line manager, but starting from the foundation of, let, let's build that relationship. And I think you know, this, the flexibility and the way that people have had to work in recent months has brought that even more sharper into focus. And, and that's why we've developed a new leadership program, online leadership program with a specific module on care. How do you engage and have rapport and relationships that enable you to care about your employees is going to be critical for us, I think, over the next couple of years. Yeah, funnily enough, I was on a, a, a call just this morning with a group of leaders from London talking about well, how do we move things on on this. And one of the, the things I, I said in a slightly flippant moment is I'd really love to be able to write the, rewrite the MBA syllabus yeah. to focus a lot more on the kind of people leadership and people management skills and care is a critical part of that, doing things with doing tough stuff, but doing it with kindness and humanity, I think is a test that business leaders across the peace field. Now, I will let you go in a second. Jane, because we're we're lucky to have grabbed twenty minutes of your time. But one last question before you go: If I'm if I'm listening to this podcast as a, a recruitment leader and thinking, you know, how do I get senior HR people's atten- uh, attention now with ideas? Because it's not a this is not a transactional business at the best of times, but it's particularly not transactional at a moment like this. What are the things that pique your interest in terms of? the sorts of things that external partners might bring to you that that are worth a conversation? Uh, it's a slightly cheeky question, but I think it's an yeah. important one in terms of understanding client demand on our industry. So my role at GSK in, in the field that I work is really to look around the corner. So it's what's critical in the sort of the people strategy arena for the future, what's going to attract, recruit and retain the best talent in the future for GSK. So that can be about the employee proposition, it can be in the employee experience, how we get people, great people through the door. So for me, I want to be hearing about innovation. So what have people, uh, different ways of recruiting, sourcing, um, especially in this current context and environment. I want thought leadership based on facts and data. So again, um, using analytics for insight would be really helpful. But I need innovation thought leadership in a pragmatic way. And I need that to have a global outlook. Oftentimes when I talk to partners, I have a great solution, but I, I can't use it globally. And for me, that's really critically important that we were able to use many of our tools and many, many things that we do globally. That's fascinating, Jane. And I think it emphasises that data-driven, solutions-focused, professional services approach that, that larger clients are looking for. And certainly something that we've heard from the industry and, and a critical bit of the advice that came out of our recent REC 2020 conference is that piece around not thinking about solving your problem, but thinking about your client's business problem and how they will solve that within their people plan. And I think a lot of HR leaders are thinking about which partners will help them do that now. So uh, great advice there. Thank you for joining us today, Jane. 
And thank you for joining us on this latest edition of the REC podcast. Do join us again for another edition if you've, you'd like to catch up with some more now. I can recommend the last couple of episodes. Episode 42 has our friend from PwC, Director of AI, Rob McCargo, talking about the future of the recruitment industry and embracing AI. Episode 41 is a conversation with Ronald Driggs, the Chief Executive Officer of Empresaria, about how Empresaria is a global firm, is looking at the opportunities of where we are now, as well as navigating the, the many challenges we all know that are there. Thank you again for joining us on today's podcast, and I'll speak to you all again soon. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon, and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, so subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.